When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. It is Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makhlouf along with Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad. I don't know what just happened to my mouth there, but uh, you can read both their thoughts on the Minnesota Vikings and all things Minnesota sports at scorenorth.com. You can also listen to this fine show there as well as streaming live. You can see all three of our beautiful faces on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Made it easy for you to follow us on all those outlets. It's at S-K-O-R North, and it's the only place where five days a week, at noon, every weekday, you're going to get Vikings and NFL talk. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. If you want to get in on the show, 651-646-8255, or you can tweet us at S-K-O-R North. Uh, we want to start the afternoon with some some interesting projections that you dug up and uh, put out there on the Twitters yesterday, Matthew Collar, at Matthew Collar is how people can follow you and your Minnesota Vikings. And some of them are are not so flattering or encouraging. Yeah, these come from Mike Clay of ESPN. He does a lot of fantasy stuff for them. And so he's been putting out his fantasy projections for each team. And as Twitter has pointed out, and uh, I do appreciate this, the draft hasn't happened yet. I, I know that. Uh, so what's been really interesting <laughs> to me is to go over the projections for Kirk Cousins, for the offense, the wide receivers, for Delvin Cook, and look at where some of the areas uh, could improve from these projections if the Vikings get everything they want in the draft. And so I'll, I'll tell you what they have for Kirk Cousins, and then there's a few different ways we can go with it. Right now they have Kirk Cousins with 3,967 yards, so essentially 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, 10 picks, and the 19th ranked fantasy quarterback. So that doesn't mean the 19th best quarterback because last year Tom Brady was not one of the best fantasy quarterbacks, but when you looked at the efficiency and looked a little closer, of course Tom Brady was one of the best quarterbacks. But what came to mind for me was two things. How can the Vikings over the next couple of weeks here with the draft and if they create some cap space, how can they bump Kirk Cousins up from being the 19th best quarterback in the NFL next year? Is there a way that they can do that? And if Kirk Cousins is the 19th best quarterback in the NFL, as projected by Mike Clay, do the Minnesota Vikings make the playoffs? So which one of these do you want to talk about first? Let's go with what do they need to do to to make sure he's not the 19th best quarterback in the league. And I think, I don't know about you guys, but I, I do think that they've already taken some measures to, to make sure that doesn't happen and that he's better than last year in hiring Gary Kubiak and Stefanski and bringing in a system that he's comfortable in and has has played better than what we saw last year before in that in that Mike Shanahan system. He's he's succeeded in it before, so I think bringing that in and it's something that he's comfortable in and something that he knows and has done well in before, I think that's a good first step in in making sure Kirk Cousins isn't the 19th best quarterback in the league next year. All right, let's find out. Go ahead. What's that? What? Projections. <laughs> oh, what, what do you want? 
the Cousins projection. So they're, they're saying that he's he's going to be the 19th. Now explain explain this though first. Fantasy then gives him what what type of projection is that as compared to like a PFF, which would be much more thorough. Oh, I see. Well, I mean, what a fantasy projection is just looking at is your completions, just a yards, pure production. Yeah. Where PFF goes right. a little bit more in depth and will explore things. Okay. Exactly. That might so, have happened that didn't. Touchdowns. Also, there's a of course a bias toward your running quarterbacks who will run for more touchdowns, run for more yards. Mm-hmm. So that's going to help some guys. But your pro football focus will grade every throw a guy makes. So really, just how accurate was he? Uh, how many big time throws he made into tight windows and things like that? Mm-hmm. And pro football focus last year had. Kirk Cousins about where we would have put him at the beginning of the year, right in the middle of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he was something like 16th or 17th, somewhere in that range. And I think that's where we all would have put him last year. Nobody thought that Kirk Cousins was an atrocity. It was he didn't overcome any of the obstacles that were put in front of him to get them into the playoffs. Especially I think it, when it mattered it's, most. It's one of those sort of nuanced things that when you point out the things that didn't go well, mm-hmm. it's, you ain't Kirk Cousins. But no, like I think that pro football folks' its grades were right. But where he is in this fantasy projection, 19th, isn't far off from where he's been in the pro football focus grades the last two years. So when those things converge, you've probably got your answer, right? If there's a big gap, then you need to ask a lot of questions. Like pro football focus liked Teddy Bridgewater a lot. His fantasy stats weren't that good. And we figured out how to explain the gap in between that. Sure. So with Cousins, though... It, a lot of things, no matter which way you spin them, kind of put him in that middle-of-the-pack range. But if he's closer to the 20th than the 10th best quarterback, I don't know if they make the playoffs next year. Where does he need to be, probably? Because the Vikings, I think when they signed him, saw him, and this was flawed, but internally I think they saw him as a top-10 QB. We said throughout the course of going into last year that we saw him just outside that top-10. I still see him there. Realistically, a year after after seeing him play every game and every snap, including uh, games in pressure situations, I would put him probably at about 15. I think to expect much more than 14 or 15, though, is, is a big ask here, especially with, okay, the system's going to be improved. The personnel's probably going to be about the same, and he is who he is. That's not going to change a lot. So unless you all of a sudden morph things and change it drastically, which it's not going to, so... I think this team's going to have to figure out a way to get to the playoffs with a quarterback who, best case, is probably around the 14-15 range, and that's about it. See, I don't, I don't know it that, changes. I don't know that that's necessarily his ceiling. Now, like Judd was talking about, and you guys went through it, there's there's a difference between fantasy stats and, and pro football focus stats. They They look at every throw, how accurate it was, like you were just saying, Matthew. So I think he could be... The 15th best quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus, when they do their in-depth analysis. But I think that might translate into top 10 fantasy numbers because of some of the weapons that he has around him with with uh, Thielen and, and with Diggs and Dalvin Cook coming out of the back out of the backfield. I think that you have some weapons around him that can make him look better than what he actually is. And that is what the difference between fantasy and pro football focus is. He might be the 15th best quarterback in terms of his actual performance, but if other guys can elevate him, catch balls that maybe other wide receivers or other running backs couldn't catch, do things with the ball when they catch it that other wide receivers and other running backs couldn't in terms of yards after catch, I think we could be looking at a top 10 fantasy quarterback and top 15 PFF quarterback. I don't think it's that crazy to have those types of expectations. He's done it before, again, in this system, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, are we ready to say that Kirk Cousins is far past the PFF? the best case, I, I think PFF is eleven to fifteen, right? But if he's 15, so, that's the best case. I'm saying well, no, right? But but that, that's how that's how you're going to have to find a, a way to get this team in the playoffs. Like to expect him to make a significant jump from that, I think is this team learned a valuable uh, lesson in 2018, and that was the that was the feeling that this guy was going to be a top ten QB. He's not going to be. So I think if you're going to look at if you Sit down right now and say, how do you get this team into the playoffs? I think, realistically, if Cousins is 12 or something, that's going to have to do it. So to your point, Rami, about you know Cousins and how good he necessarily has to be and, and what the rest of the team has to do to get them in the playoffs, I, th- I think that's very accurate because when I look at his grades from PFF for his career, 
there's not a huge variance over his four years of starting. It's not like one year he was amazing and one year he was awful. He's pretty much been the same guy year after year. And last year was his second highest PFF grade and only by a nose over 2016. But the production of the passing game in 2016 was massively better than it was in 2018. So I like to look at expected points added because it factors in situations so, you know, if, if it's the fourth quarter, you're down 22 to six, like how you perform uh, is, you know, it, it's not going to be worth as much from this statistic. So I, I think it's a good way of looking at a team's passing game overall. And in 2016, Washington was sixth. And last year, the Vikings were 22nd. So, and Kirk Cousins was playing basically the same football uh, by PFF grading every throw which tells you that a lot of it was what was going on around him, which includes the pressure that he was facing. It includes the bad luck of kickers constantly missing field goals for this team. I mean, I think they sacrifice more points than any other team in the NFL with missed kicks. So that is something that goes into this. Now, I would never guarantee that the kicking will improve, but almost just naturally, someone has to kick better than this team did last year. Uh, the defense didn't come up in a few situations and had some tough games. Maybe that doesn't happen. But I, I think it is very much we know what Kirk Cousins going to be, and he's one of the easier players to project for someone like Mike Clay. It's just what happens around him will determine, are you a top contender, are you a playoff team, or are you just out of the playoffs? I think if he's a, a top 10 fantasy quarterback, you're, you're good enough to make the playoffs and maybe even make some noise in the playoffs. I think if he's 15th fantasy quarterback and your defense gets back to or close to the level that you were playing previous 2018, then again, you could, you should make the playoffs and maybe even make some noise in the playoffs. It was weird because I came from, I came from Milwaukee where I was covering the Packers for so long and Aaron Rodgers was so good that every year we'd have the question when the season started, how good does this defense need to be right. yeah. for them to get to the Super Bowl? Because Aaron Rodgers and the offense, they're going to do most of the work, which was true until the last two seasons. How good does the defense need to be just to supplement that so that they're a contender? And here it's kind of the opposite. If that defense is clicking and hitting on all cylinders, yeah. it's a Super Bowl defense. You ask yourself, how good does Kirk Cousins, that offense, need to be to supplement it so that they're contenders? The question in my mind, going into this year is going to need to be what does Cousins have have to do and and can he be part of the solution? Because he's not it. Like it can't be if you have a top five QB to your point, then the conversation is well we've got this unbelievable quarterback so the parts around him have to be good but they might not have to be great, right? Mm -hmm. This is, Cousins cannot be looked at in any conversation as the solution. He can make some throws, and he can do some productive things, but your defense has to be great. Your special teams, as Collar just said, can't screw up. And the surrounding parts, you can't expect, after a year of watching Kirk Cousins play, you can't expect the offensive components around him, he can't lift them up. They all have to help each other. And that's the difference because Brady, Rogers, Breeze can take everybody else and be like, here's what I'm going to do, and it's going to improve you all. Kirk Cousins can't do that. So this becomes a formula of Cousins being part part of the answer. But if your expectation is, well, he's going to come back and be that guy, he's just not. Well, and for me, the fantasy stats... Like, I like the conversation because of the projections and where it has him ranked. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, because it's a very interesting spot to be in the uh, lower half of the NFL and be ranked there and when you're one of the highest paid and have the second highest cap hit, I think, this year. But to me, it's all about situations with Kirk Cousins. And it doesn't matter at all what his fantasy stats are. Looking back to 2016, it's by far his best year fantasy stat-wise, and I just pulled this up, 3,000 of his close to 5,000 yards came when his team was trailing and 14 of his touchdowns. Like they were losing a lot. We saw this from last year. They would get behind 22-6 to six in Chicago, and then he throws a couple of touchdowns, and the game is kind of close, and his PFF grades are good because his throws in the second half were good. But when it was on the line, 
we didn't see him step up very often. It, that was, I think, the, the most frustrating thing when they needed a third down. He's one of the worst third down quarterbacks in the league. When they needed a touchdown in the red zone, there were many times where he was not able to get them in. And maybe part of that is play calling. I definitely think goal line situations, a lot of it's play calling of whether you get in or not. But there were also times where... Like, why can't you find Kyle Rudolph in the end zone? Like, everyone finds Kyle Rudolph in the end zone. And uh, there was some frustration from the team, I think, on that. So for, for me, it's all, how do you perform on third downs? How do you perform in the red zone? How do you perform in close games separated by one score? When you go through their games last year, how many games were separated by one score? A lot of them that they came up short. And to me, that's where the good quarterbacks kind of rise to the top is the situational stuff. If you pull up third downs, you're just going to have a list of the best quarterbacks in the league at the very top, the ones that have the best PFF grades too. And so if he throws for 5,000 yards or 3,000 yards, I don't think it matters. I think it's keeping drives going, finishing drives with points, not having pick sixes and fumbles returned for touchdowns, that that sort of thing. What's the system going to do to help him? See, I I feel like we, we always come back to, well, Cousins has to do this and that, and that would be great. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he can improve, but I, I think to what we talked about before, the system is going to, to help him improve. So what can what Kubiak's going to do help him? He clearly, he clearly, and I keep saying this, but it's true, needs to be propped up by personnel and play calling. Yeah. He he's does. not going to prop things up himself. Like he's going to make the throws. And but. He's a quarterback, and th- you can say this about almost any quarterback, but I think more so with him and some a few other guys in the league, he needs a clean pocket. He doesn't feel pressure and know how to get away from it. He doesn't step up in the face of pressure and make throws the way we see great quarterbacks do. He needs a clean pocket. So bringing Kirk Cousins into Minnesota behind a subpar offensive line was a recipe for disaster. This isn't a guy who can make things happen when everything breaks down. And you're talking about in the red zone and on third downs when the most pressure is on, Matthew. I would I would think that that's those are the situations where more than ever he needs a clean pocket so he can make those split-second decisions and make the right split-second decisions. So you asked the question, Judd, and I've got the answer for you on the play calling and how much the uh, system can impact Kirk Cousins. Give us that answer after the break. Oh, geez. oh that's a big radio team. He's right there. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 scorenorth.com. Projections don't have Kirk Cousins very good. We're trying to change that, and we'll be back right after this. I don't know anything about technology. Hey, it's easy to listen to Score North on 1500 on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. It's adapted from alien technology. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Just one of our lineup of Vikings programs. You can find all those by searching Score North Vikings. Wherever you download podcasts coming up at 1 o'clock will be the Glenn Perkins Show, part of our vast lineup of twins programming. And all you got to do to find those is search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts or get the Score North app. The more you listen on there, the better chance you have to win prizes. And we're available on, uh, what is that thing, Spotify. Also, if you just say Alexa, MySpace, open Score North, and your Alexa will do it. I just did it for you. And yes, we're on MySpace, myspace.com. Slash S-K-O-R North. Is is MySpace still alive? You know what's funny is just the other day I was reminded of something with MySpace and I checked and it still is a website. It is. It looks hideous though. <laughs> who like it's who a disaster. uses it now? Oh, I have no idea. I think I I think musicians, or at okay. least that's try, that's how it tries to present itself. Okay. But I'm not sure that there's any real musicians who use it. But it's it's on the web. It's on the web. Okay, that's, good. Of course, everything's on the yeah, web. That's good. All right, so we were talking before the break about the projections for Kirk Cousins in uh, 2019, and they have him as the 19th best fantasy quarterback. That's just pure, hard stats that we give fantasy points on, not the in-depth analysis that you might get from a pro football focus or, score or other outlets. And you had the answer, or scorenorth.com. <laughs> nice to, plug for yourself. To Judd's question uh, before the break of just how they they fix this and make, make Kirk Cousins better than what those projections say. The answer is, Judd, they need explosive plays on early downs, which is very specific. But the thing with Kirk Cousins that you see pretty consistently over his career, and as the sample grows, it becomes more and more clear, is 
This man is incredible at executing play action. Last year, he was the fourth best quarterback in terms of rating for play action. And he was 14th with no play action in yards per attempt. That kind of tells the story with Kirk Cousins. That when you have third downs and seven, you cannot run play action. Because the other team will be like, okay, I don't know why you're faking a handoff because you're not going to hand it off. So we're going to drop guys back. We're going to be in a dime or a nickel defense. You have to make a tight window throw. You have to have an anticipation throw. You've got to be willing to throw it to somebody who's covered. These are things that Kirk Cousins does not do particularly well. But when he can execute a play action, which just means handling the football, it means everybody needs to be in the right spot, but finding the right guy open that he's supposed to go to on the play, it lets the play win for you. Do you know why? It's really simple. That play gives him no time to have to think too much. Well, there definitely is that. It's, it, two, it's two moves, right? Well, and it also, it also usually rolls him to a spot. Sure. Play but action. I, but, but, this, but this goes back to my point where if you, if you use him as a puppet quarterback, he can do it. There's no play action allows for how much actual freelance opportunity. Yeah. It basically calls very for little. you to do a few things yeah, very, and then deliver little. the football, right? right. So this is this is where coaching does come back to being important to put him in positions where he can succeed without having to freelance himself. So if they're able to not put themselves in those positions where he does not succeed very often, the third down and long, like this is where if you have someone like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady and you get to a third and long, you're still pretty confident that they can get a first down there until last year, not included with Aaron Rodgers, because both of them can make plays beyond whatever was drawn up. Both of them can make incredible tight window throws anytime they want to. This is not Kirk Cousins. We know he's not one of those level of quarterbacks. So if you could create explosive plays on early downs by using a lot of play action and hitting balls down the field, then you can get up in games and protect your lead. And I think that's how they get to the playoffs. I don't think Cousins is all of a sudden this year going to be like, huh, I'm going to throw to Stephon Diggs when he's covered and let him go up and win that football. Like, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to change the stripes on the Tiger. Case Keenum, that was one of the best things he did. Oh, Thielen's covered? I don't care. And he throws it to him and he catches it anyway. But that's not how Kirk Cousins plays the game. So if they can create these big plays like they were able to with Deshaun Jackson, especially in Washington, on early downs, using play action, they can get ahead in games and protect those with Dalvin Cook, assuming he's healthy, and their defense. Yeah, I think, it, and that'll be a that'll be a big indicator of what the the Vikings are able to do this year. What they do early on in downs and what they do early in games, because these things are all connected. We talk about the three phases of football as though they're completely and totally separate. They're in these silos, and an offense is good or it's bad. A defense is good or it's bad. Special teams is good or it's bad. A good defense is better with a lead. Like if you look if you look at the top defenses in the league every year, those are teams that are often playing with leads because you've put the other team in a position they don't want to be in, backs against the wall, they have to throw. You A have taken the running game and the running back out of out of the the element of surprise, if you will, and B, your pass rushers can pin their ears back, go after quarterbacks, and not have to worry about overrunning a running back and a big hole opening up. I think that if they can if they can succeed early in downs early in games and get some leads in the first and second quarter, they don't even have to be big leads and then just go let that defense do work. And so if you want to know something crazy, I mean, your point is exactly right. I mean, for getting ahead early last year, they were one of the worst running games in terms of total yardage in the NFL. And we know that Zimmer was run the ball more, run the ball more. And his point was not, I want to go back to 1981. It was, I want to set up these play actions and things like this. So I took out all the score effects involved using Pro Football Reference because what a fun web address that is. And I found that the Vikings... It's because you, address? Does it, anybody use it's cause you, it's cause you don't drink, but go yeah. on. The, uh, yeah, you should drink more. <laughs> but the, I don't the, say that to too many people. You should probably drink. The neutral situation. So I mean, the score is 0-0 zero to zero in yeah. the first quarter. The score is 10-10 to 10 in the third quarter, yeah. where it's tied or within one score. Yep. The Vikings were a fine running team. In terms of yards per attempt, like they didn't really struggle that much. They threw a lot more than they passed, but the gap was was closed by a lot. A lot of times it was their offense wasn't executing, so they got behind and then they had to throw, 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 throw. 
Now, that's where some games were frustrating, like the Patriots game, where it's 10 to 10 and they're running successfully and they didn't do it. And I think that drove Zimmer crazy. The same thing with Seattle game where they didn't really stick to it. But a lot of times Kirk Cousins was putting up those big yards when they were behind chasing the other team in games where you couldn't run. Like people bring up that Los Angeles game and he had great stats and played a really good game, but they were trailing by two scores for a lot of that game. Week two as well. Yeah, we yeah Green right Bay, exactly. Yes. We too. They're they're playing from games. behind. So yeah. he's putting up big numbers playing from behind, and you're not running the football basically at all mm-hmm. because you've been down by two scores, and there's nothing you can do. So a lot of it is for this team with the scheme being able to get up in games by creating big plays. Because if you get into those third down situations, you're not going to have a whole lot of success with him. A great quarterback gives you the opportunity to get behind and basically say, okay, just do something, right? If you accept the fact that you don't have that guy and you're prepared, you're in much better shape. So, so, and I I think that's why Kubiak was hired. I think that's why the Vikings are internally trying to take the steps that they have. This is all going to be about what's your preparation for games. Because if you get if you get to games if if you get to week two again against the Packers or that Rams game, and you do what the Vikings did in 2018, which is say, "All right, go to it," it's not going to work. They know that now, so all of this has to be planned out about how do how do we go into a game with preparation that is across the board? Because there's really no one person on that team that if things go wrong can save you. No, that guy is not there. Right, he just doesn't. But the exist. Packers, the Packers at their best have that. My question the Patriots is, have that. My question is the other side of this equation. We're asking how good does Kirk Cousins need to be on this list when we talk about the projections. But we're, I think we're having this conversation under the assumption that that defense can get back to the level that we saw two years ago. They lost Sheldon Richardson in the offseason. Everson Griffin did not look like himself last year. Xavier Rhodes did not look like himself last year. Do we think that that defense can get can get back to that that level of play that they had in 2017 where if even if Kirk Cousins is somewhere in the 10 to 15 range is that good enough even if Kirk Cousins and the offense give them early leads is that good enough or are we not talking about as good of a defense as we saw two seasons ago and therefore does Kirk Cousins and the offense need to be better with all that Mike Zimmer has coming back Matthew Collar if the answer is no people lose their jobs Oh, for sure. That's yeah, so. Absolutely. So, so to answer your question, Rami, they better absolutely. They got way too much back here, and, and Griffin's drop off. I don't think is going to um, to be that big of deal. Worst case, Hunter goes from left to right end. But my answer is, they better be damn good. I don't know if they'll be the number one defense in the league. I think that they will be good, and the reason why is and they get back to top five. I think if they're back I, in top yes, five, I think I, everything that we've said in this first half hour yep. still holds up. I mean, the yeah. reason is Mike Zimmer. When you uh, here's some trivia attempt for you. I'll be I'll play Jason Stark. Um, when was Jason the, Stark thought he had me yesterday? I know you guys and were Ra- great on no, that. No, it was Rami. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was all no, that, Rami. That was, that was great. Was Ma- Mackie and I were, took a powder Stepped on that segment. Stepped up to the plate, I, took a yeah, big swing, put it right good. over I, that left field. Okay, wall. so right, I ahead. want you guys to tell me the last time that Mike Zimmer. Had a defense that ranked in the second in the, in the bottom half of the oh. NFL in points against the last time as a coordinator as a coordinator or, or, head, or, a head, coach. or a head coach. I'm going to say it was what was his first year here 2014. Yeah, I'm going to say it was 2014 because that was a bad defense and there was a lot of work to be done. Time I'll say 2014. Rami, I don't think it ever happened with the Bengals. What were the years that he spent with the Cowboys? I don't know that off the top of my head. So that was from 2000 until 2006. I'll I'll say then 2003, 15 or so years. So you're going back too far. You're not going back far enough. <laughs> there was one year in Cincinnati where okay. they were 24th, and that was in 2010. Okay, That was the last time he had a defense that ranked. And the year before, he was 6th, and the year after that, ninth. And with Minnesota, it's been 11th, 5th, 6th, 1st, and ninth. And some of those points against, I think, 35 or 42 of them go to Kirk Cousins giving the ball to the other team for touchdown. So they were still uh, top five in points given up by their defense. And in terms of yards, this is crazy. Yards against in Mike Zimmer's career, three times in 19 years have they been below average in yards. Three. 
and only one time worse than 20th, and that was that disastrous 2007. But you're saying Atlanta Falcons you're saying below average. You're saying bottom half of the league. They need to be top five in the league. They should be top five. Like though. between five and 15, I, I don't but, think that's good enough. But they should be. They should be top five. There's no now, doubt in my there, mind. There are a lot of questions, though. There are, a lot, there are a lot of questions with top five because Sheldon Richardson leaving is no small thing. He was in the top ten in his position in quarterback pressures. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Shamar Stefan cannot do that. Like They're going to really be relying on either whoever they draft for that spot or Jalen Holmes and Jaleel Johnson who have not proven and, anything. And going back to what we said about the offensive side of the football Mike Zimmer at the owners' meetings just a couple of weeks ago said we're going to do some very different things I was on say, defense. Fa- factor so, in the wrinkles and and listen, the number one point is Anthony Barr better be used as a Pro Bowl, unbelievable season type guy. If I that, agree. If, if the way Anthony Barr is used does not change, and I'm not talking about in Zim's mind, I'm talking about to our eyes on game day, something's wrong. So I think that Mike likes to change things, which is fantastic. I think we should be looking for for several new wrinkles in personnel approach here, which should make this this defense has the potential on its face. I think to be good, that should take it up a notch. Yeah, and even just you know, depending on the way you cut it here, but um, only one time, and it was 2014, in which they went from dead last to 11th. Only one time since 2011 have they been outside the top 10. So I can definitely pencil them in the top 10 as a defense. It's just, does Xavier Rhodes actually bounce back? That I don't know yet with Xavier Rhodes. I mean, you're talking about a guy in his later prime who does commit a lot of penalties, who, if he loses any sort of a step, is no longer going to be able to keep up the same way he does with his size. And that's a big question mark. Mackenzie Alexander, we decided he's really good. And he might be because Zimmer says he likes him a lot, but we're talking about one half of one season last year where he's actually been good in three years. So that's one of those things where you don't know which direction it's going to go. Uh, we don't know if they decide to trade Trey Wayans or something um, on, on draft count. night. They won't. If now. they don't, though, Wayans had two concussions last year. He's always kind of been up and down a little bit. So there are these question marks, and Everson Griffin is one of the biggest ones. For the projections, Mike Clay has him at seven and a half sacks. I think it's like boom or bust with him. It's either he continues to go down. And we're talking about, wow, like this guy, maybe they should have moved on from him. Or he bounces right back to being one of the best at his position. Why is he still here? That's the thing that baffles me. I think that that, was another that was another easy. Hey, it's been great. See you later. I think Mike Zimmer values loyalty a lot, sometimes to a fault. I was going to say in this league, I think he values the known a lot. Versus the unknown, he yeah. know he knows what he gets from Everson Griffin, or at least he thinks does he, he does. Does he really? But he also, thinks he does. well, see, this is the thing: if you're going cold calculated from that position and this guy at 31 years old with his cap hit, Bill would you'd go see ya, right? Yeah, like, and you're right. Belichick moves Bill on from would. pass rushers all the time. Bill would do in a second. I mean, even like Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, like he tends to have yes. no in uh, Trey Flowers. He has, tends to have no issue moving on from pass rushers. He believes he can find more. Um, but with Zimmer, I even go back to Chad Greenway. Like Chad Greenway was one of those guys that represents the franchise about as well as you possibly can and a stand-up guy and still could play a little, but when he was forced into duty to play a lot, it was problematic for their defense. But I think he kept him around because he was a veteran player and he was proven and he had done a lot for the he franchise. He kept B-Rob, though. He did, but a year late. Okay, but he still brought himself to do it. I'm sure it was tough. And, and B-Rob but, didn't hurt them, obviously, in 2017, but he was not the same as right. he had been before. It was, it was another instance of waiting just that one year too long. And then, because I remember talking about in camp 2017, like, oof, I don't know how much they're going to play B-Rob here because it's not looking good. And he did have a, a pretty far down season. That didn't hurt them because they had Daniil Hunter, who's a monster. Mm-hmm. But it was another instance of, if you're the cold calculated, we just cut you as soon as you're falling off, he would have been gone the year before. This has been fun. This has been some really football-y, like football-y football talk right here, hasn't it? Uh, I have on my projections, guys. Oh. I don't know if you wanted to do the tease. Maybe I'll just tell you, and then you can do the tease. Okay, okay ready? Yeah, set me up. Um, so, Rami, mm-hmm. uh, on this projection sheet from Mike Clay of ESPN, uh-huh. he also has win probability for games. Ooh, each and, and every game. Each and every game. And oh. there are a number of games where it is decidedly a win or decidedly a loss for the Vikings. 
So, I mean, if we could do something with that on the radio, I'm not sure, but maybe you could think of something. I think we could, and I think we'll do that next on Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Football. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Welcome to the all-new Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 scorenorth.com with me Rami Makloff, Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar. These fine gentlemen often write columns about the Vikings and other things Minnesota sports at scorenorth.com. This show is here Monday through Friday at noon, the only place where you're going to get Vikings talk 5 days a week and streaming our beautiful faces live at scorenorth.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch all at S K O R North. Beautiful faces. Beautiful faces and better posture. I've now twice. Are you working on it? I've now twice this week done the better posture workout at fitnessblender.com. Good for you. Twice. Not yeah. me. See, I see a problem, guys, and I fix it, which is what we're trying to do with the Minnesota Vikings right now. Rami, you've got respect for the process. Thank you. I do. I do. I respect the process. I'm proud of you. Thank you. It's about the process, not results. As long as you try to make yourself a little better every day, you're going to have a good life. You're Give me a beer a and I'll slouch, life. okay? <laughs> But before I see a problem and I ignore it and say, Seth, and Auger, turn water. off the damn camera. <laughs> you, you ignore it, then drink till you forget it altogether. Exactly. That's you. what you do. Yep. Which is fine. Hey, we all have our ways to find happiness. Matthew, before the break, you said you uh, found win probabilities for all 16 Vikings games this year. Because why wouldn't I? Because you are your, <laughs> your football guy. Football. Your, your football. That's how you greet people. You yes. say football. You can see all of that. It really caught on in training camp two years ago where I just walked around and said football to everyone. And still, like two years later, people will see me it's a thing covering now. something or at press conferences be like, hey, football. I'm like, all right, football. It's a brand. Like, I think it works. You turn it into a brand. I think I, you should try it in the office. Starting like, opening day, I started responding with baseball. Yeah, so but, you say football and then I wrong. say baseball. Yeah, that's incorrect. <laughs> see, baseball is just not the same. Baseball, it seems like it would have to be a little like more happy of like a baseball. baseball. We got base. We got right. day baseball. A pitcher just hit a home run on our TV. Where football, it's a little bit like football. Yeah, you dialed in. I'm dialed in. Okay, so from football. now on, I'll respond with baseball. Is that yeah, good? All yeah, right, that's cool. better. All right, all right. So I found win probabilities for these games that the Vikings have to play. Not anytime soon to now, uh, but the schedule is coming out next week, so we'll be able to you know pick games and everything else. And what I noticed for these win probabilities is that some, the Vikings are currently really heavy favorited, and some, they are the underdog by quite a bit by Mike Clay's projections. He works for ESPN. So I'm going to go through the ones that are to the extreme, not the ones that are 50-50. So I'll give you an example. Like at Seattle right now is like a 50-50 game. It's like 49% Vikings. Mm -hmm. So forget about that one. Forget about home against Chicago. They've got that one as a 50-50 game. But here's the ones that are to the extreme. Okay. Home against Washington, they give the Vikings 85% chance to win that game. Is that what you want to just do too high, too low, or just right? Uh, Yes, that's fine. And I say that's way too high. I think that's about right. That's a bad football team. Washington is not a good football team. I don't think they're a good football team either. I do think 85% for anything is too much, and I would cite the Buffalo Bills game last year. Yeah. As it was like, no way, right? No way. See, but that just means means anything can happen. I mean, 15% is not an insignificant percentage. That just means that the 15% happened. I forget the guy's name from 538, and I'm not trying to make this a political show. Nate Silver? Yeah, Nate Silver. That's him. I saw him in an interview, and a lot of people were giving Nate Silver crap after the 2016 presidential election because they gave Donald Trump, I think, a 30% chance to win. And his rebuttal was, look, 30% is not insignificant. Right. Him winning just means the 30%. That's getting him baseball. Right, exactly. So I don't think that the the Bills game disproves that they they should, and and it should be likely that they beat bad teams like the Washington Redskins. But there's a massive intangible problem that's not being taken into account, and that's who starts that game at quarterback for Washington. And if it's Case Keenum, Rami, do not dismiss. The Lord touched that that guy on the head one day and said, you're going to do some really weird things that are going to be impressive. If Case Keenum starts 
at U.S. Bank Stadium against a Zim coach team, I am not discounting him. I just I tend to think that you'd have to be a horrific football team for something to be eighty five percent. But I think it's right to have the Vikings favored by a lot, even if they have Case Keenum. I'm not sure that magic ever comes. But back. a lot, but a lot to me is a touchdown. Yeah, they, like if you say they have score projections. If you too, say Vikings by yeah, what, what's that one? Well, they ha- they have the Vikings winning twenty six to fifteen. Okay, that's a little high for me. It's a, it's a little high. I'd favor them by a touchdown, but I would not say blowout there. All right, so the next one is the Giants. They give the Vikings a seventy one percent chance to beat the Giants. That is on the road. Seventy one percent chance to beat the Giants to on me, the road. That's, to me, that's a little too high. Even though they traded Odell Beckham, but they signed Golden Tate, and they still have Pat Shermer and Kyler Murray's probably starting by then. I say, I say too low. That's an that's another awful organization. On the road, though, Eli Manning is still their quarterback, and now he doesn't have Odell Beckham Jr. to throw to. Rami, have Just, you ever watched the Minnesota Vikings play in the yes, Meadowlands against yeah. the New York Giants? Put eight guys in the box and and say, "Beat me, Eli Manning." There, there Stop some, Saquon Barkley. That's what I do. It's there, too high. There have been some ugly, ugly performances by the Minnesota Vikings. Have you seen rather Eli Manning play quarterback the last two years? MetLife Stadium. I feel like if you want to really ramp up like a hot take for this one, it's that. The Giants will be better than everyone thinks. Like that, that, that. I just don't see it. And Kyler Murray is on the table. I think for them to potentially trade up because they have the two first round picks. Well, so that, I'm, that not that that yeah. I'm not saying they'll be great, but but they'll be like a halfway competitive team. Under, under my assumption that Eli Manning will still be quarterback, but on the road, I say that's too low. On the road, even on the 71%, road, seventy-one percent to me on the road, that's way. I think too the high. Giants could be yeah. as bad road as games. like. I think they could be like two and fourteen next year. I, I forget what the impact is, but like the road games automatically only makes you even if it's two teams with the same talent, mm-hmm. it already makes you like a forty-five percent chance to win just by yeah. Being on, the, on, the road. on the betting line, three points, yeah. you get an automatic right. three points right. just for having home field advantage. I, I would only say seventy is too high because of. The road factor, I, st- I yes, I agree with your assessment that the Giants right now are not all that good. And he's way more confident. Than I am. But Judd and I have covered a lot of games over the last three years where we thought, oh no, they'll they'll steamroll this team, and and it didn't happen. So anytime it's like 70, 80, 90 percent, it's like I don't know. I'll, I'll give you some more. At Green Bay, they only give the Vikings a forty four percent chance to win. That's kind of a fifty fifty. But um, that was one that's kind of marked in the red as leaning heavily toward Green Bay. I don't even know what to think of Green Bay. We've been interviewing people and talking about this story, and I really have no idea whether Green Bay is a great team or just like, eh, again. The people that, the, the people that cover the Packers don't seem nearly as high on the Packers potentially as we do. Hmm. Like we keep saying their, their defense looks to be improved and like, yeah, we'll wait and see on, on that. So I would I I find it intriguing that the people from Wisconsin are actually seem to be much more cautious than we are about them. There is a great unknown with yeah. with Green Bay. We don't know what kind of coach Matt Lafleur is. Yeah. I mean, he could be the next Sean McVay, in which case the whole NFC North is in trouble. You know what I mean? Or he could be a total bust, in which case I don't see Aaron Rodgers' arrow pointing back up. Not this season, um, and I don't see that offense really hitting on all cylinders. And that defense, even if it's improved, it's still middle of the road in a question mark. You know what's really interesting about just the scheme factor in Aaron Rodgers? Looking at we were looking at those play action numbers for Cousins. And Rodgers was 19th in terms of how much they used play action last year, even though they had an effective running game. I wonder if Matt LaFleur, because Marcus Mariota was fourth. I wonder if Matt LaFleur is pumping that number way well, up. Yeah, the running the running game was was good when they used it. The criticism was that they, they didn't, didn't use, use it enough, enough so yeah. people didn't respect the play it's action. It's got to be a threat, right? Right. It but, has to be. But that's really interesting to me that Mariota, where he was, was fourth in the league in play action, just behind Tom Brady and just ahead of Russell Wilson. So two of the best that use play action a ton. And McVay loves it, right? And Rodgers was nowhere even in this ballpark and of st- how much they used it. St- yeah. uh, statistically, the Rams embrace oh, it, yes. correct? Oh, the Rams are number one by far. Yeah, so I think I think we're going to see a trend towards everybody yep. at least trying it. Yep, so that could change things uh, a bit for Rodgers. But it is really tough to figure that Packers team out. I'll give you a couple of the other ones here. The Vikings are not getting much love for beating Kansas City on the road. No, they're not going to. That's a hard one. That's a hard place. <laughs> That's to a really hard what's, place. What's the percentage that they put that one at? 35. That's too high. It's still, I mean, the Vikings defense, so you could pull an upset. But Wasn't this a game show? That's too high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember the last time the Vikings won at Arrowhead. 
it's it's had to, it's had to have been. I, I don't believe decades. they've played the Chiefs since I've uh, been here. They have not played Minnesota. there. They have not played there. But I I will say having to go to Seattle and Kansas City in the same year is really difficult because those two places are. Damn near impossible to well, play. And, uh, they of course, can be very tough. The Los Angeles Chargers, those fans are crazy for Chargers. Oh, at that, at that, at their <laughs> Allianz field, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's like if the yeah. Vikings were like, we're going to play a couple years in Allianz. It'll be great. So here's go a- Chargers, go. <laughs> wow. Here, here's another one. Um, <laughs> another one where the Vikings are heavily favored uh, is against Detroit at home, 70%. Detroit is. A thorn in their side sometimes wasn't last year, but no. has been in the past. No, but Detroit is another team that I have a really tough time figuring out. Like, is is their head coach just a schmuck? Yes, or like, but is he like a clever schmuck? No, no, no. There are schmucks who are clever though, because he because he was Belichick, the one. I know. Though, remember, he was the one that figured out the Rams' offense. His players hate his guts. I know they do. Zimmer's players they actually like him. made a lot like of him. improvements, though, on that team. And his players will continue to, to hate him because he's a human buffoon. It's one thing to be a good <laughs> defensive coordinator, a whole other thing to be a good head coach, isn't it? Yes. Like, oh, yes, to, of course. To, to command. Yeah. Schema- schematically, I think this guy's a genius, yeah. but I don't care about that. That doesn't make you a leader of men. That doesn't make a locker the room idiot, of 53 grown-ass men want to follow you. The yeah. idiot took his team outside to practice for indoor games. You're just, you're less Steckel reincarnated. <laughs> and shows up late to his own practice. Yeah, okay. you're, you're an idiot. This isn't somebody who runs a tight program. But, not, but at least... Let me try. So I covered a season where, oh, how about this? I don't even have to bring up the season with Doug Marone that I covered. Doug Marone was in the AFC championship game. I've never covered a bigger schmuck. And how about, uh, who was the guy? Mike Malarkey for Tennessee won a playoff game and then got canned because he had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. So sometimes the roster can overcome. It just kind of depends on who you've got. And with their defense, they added enough pieces where instead of being one of the trash fires of the league, you could see them being competitive with their defense because Patricia's a good defensive mind, even if he is not any type of leader of men and yells at the media for slouching. He'd love your recent uh, revelation, Rami, with how you sit in your chair. He'd mm-hmm. love that. Loves it. But I mean, like the guy Stop might be slouching. A, my point is the guy might be a fool, but they might have also added just enough talent and their offensive line should be pretty good with Frank Ragnow going into second his second year. Like I'm just I'm saying that they should be better. Okay. That's how I would look at Detroit. All right. You would still favor the Vikings pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. What's uh what do you think Oakland's gonna be? This has the Vikings seventy six percent to beat Oakland, the second highest on the is entire that in thing. Oakland or in or here? In uh, that is here. Here you always give the Vikings big favor, but uh I don't know what Oakland's gonna be. I don't know if they're gonna I am with try you to that. get Kyler no Murray. I have no clue now. Yeah, I think that 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 depends on a if they get Kyler Murray and b if they don't. Can John Gruden tap into whatever we all saw in Derek Carr in his first two years in the league? Because his first two years in the league, and that's why he got the contract that he got. Derek Carr was. I mean, I heard. I rem, I remember vividly watching a Packers Raiders game and hearing the comparison made of Derek Carr looking like a young Aaron Rodgers with some of the throws that he was making in tight windows and his ability to extend plays with his feet. I mean, this is a guy who had expectations coming into the league, lived up to him early. The Raiders paid him like he was living up to those expectations, and then something went wrong. You give him Antonio Brown, and they got another receiver this offseason. I'm drawing a blank right now. Anybody? Can anybody help me out? They signed two wide receivers. Well, they traded for Brown, signed another one. That's why they let Jordy Nelson go. I don't know. I can't remember I right remember now, either. but give him a couple more weapons yep. and that can help. And John Gruden has been a successful offensive mind in this league. We'll see if he can, if he can be that again. Boys, the last time the Vikings won in Kansas City. I was trying to find it. I was, couldn't. was December the 14th, 1974. Oh, wow. 35 to 15. Wow. Wow. Now they don't play much there. So right. this is not they a play there well, once every eight years. But basically. 1974. Remember, that's why this is going to be a grudge match, though, between the Vikings and Kansas City because of Tyler Thigpen. Oh, is Brad Childers going to come out and <laughs> can you explain the wave? Tyler Thigpen thing? So the so so the the Chiefs used to train in Wisconsin, and, and the Vikings in Mankato would have joint practices against the Chiefs for years and years. And there was some huge brawls. There was some embarrassing things. Brock Lesnar one year, right? But Brock what, Lesnar year, they yes, got into a brawl. Yes, but what brought what brought an end to it officially was the Vikings drafted a guy, a quarterback, Tyler Thigpen, like at best a third string guy, right? 
And they had a joint practice in Mankato, I believe. And the Chiefs saw him. And the Vikings tried to sneak him through to their practice squad. And Rami, guess what happened? What happened? The Chiefs claimed him. And Brad Childress melted down. We're never tipping our hand again to those damn Kansas City Chiefs. So this um, will be the Tyler uh, Thickman. Uh, um, I never considered that before when you have these joint practices. That, that that could be one of the drawbacks. That literally never occurred to me before you just told that story. Of course, sometimes the team's doing you a favor by taking a guy. To me, the great part is just getting mad about it. You're like, I mean, okay. I mean, if right. you guys want Tyler Thigpen. You want him that bad? You can have him. Well, right? he had one year where he started like 14 games or something. Well, Bills. Uh, and he went 1-10 in 10 as a starter yeah. that year. Yes, I just pulled it up. Coastal Carolina, right? Uh, yeah. He, yeah, and he did briefly, very briefly, through three completions for the Buffalo Bills uh, in, in two separate seasons. But it's just really funny that like an NFL coach, only an NFL coach in this world could be mad about losing a guy from Coastal Carolina who was a seventh round draft pick. Yeah. Only he, a football guy. He That's he why I love the story. He so thought much. he developed QBs. Brad thought, you know, I got I got Tavars Jackson. Now, now I've got Tyler Thigpen. It's gonna be fantastic. What would happen if Ugh. the Vikings tried to pass Kyle Sloter down to the practice squad and somebody takes him? How angry would Rick Spielman and Mike see, Zimmer be? I think that Zimmer hates quarterbacks so much he wouldn't care. I agree. <laughs> He'd be like, find me some other Spielman guy. would be mad. Spielman might be teed a little bit, but who would be the most mad is Twitter.com. Twitter.com <laughs> would have a freaking meltdown because for some reason, Twitter seems to think that Kyle Sloter is a great developmental quarterback who will ultimately take over for Kirk Cousins. This is not new, though. No, this, not This at has all. been true no, for in, in every form of fandom, right? Your third-string quarterback, your developmental guy is always going to be in Canton someday. I wrote a, an article about what the Vikings should do at backup quarterback a few weeks ago, and every response, and I mean like a room full of people tweeting, what are you talking about? Sloter is their backup. And I'm like, dude, he's only played fourth quarters of preseason games. Did you call them dudes? Probably Listen, if they dudes. were dudes. Do, yes. you, do you want to tell Matthew and the listening audience my my philosophy on backup quarterbacks? Why don't you go ahead and they don't matter. it? <laughs> they don't matter. Oh, that's not something you they, say here. They buddy. don't matter. No, 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 no. They don't. They well, just don't they, matter. They definitely do. Because in Green Bay, they haven't. We got to care about it. What, what do you mean? You developed all sorts of starting quarterbacks for teams around the league, like I would Matt tell, Hasselbeck. And it was Kurt it was something people obsessed about throughout my years it, in Milwaukee. And I was always saying, Brunel, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, cancel Christmas. And you, Kirk Cousins well, is not what? Aaron Rodgers. Anthony Barr canceled Christmas. If Kirk Cousins goes down, cancel Christmas. Yeah, it's you, over. You think that's true until Case Keenum goes 13 and 3. If you missed any of this show, search Score North Vikings wherever you download podcasts. That's Matthew. That's Judd. I'm Rami. Manny, other side of the glass. Glenn Perkins' show is coming up next. The Twins' former reliever is going to talk with uh, Phil Mackey about your Minnesota Twins for the next hour here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh, cosmic, crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.